It's really funny because I, I teach for a living, um, but I teach high school kids. Most of them don't listen to me, so sometimes it doesn't matter what I say. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Lopez. <laughs> um, so I found uh, this and preparing for this to be a completely different experience. The idea of people watching and engaged is actually kind of a, kind of frightening. So I don't even know what this would be like. So we should pray for this on a regular basis. Um, this is going to be shorter than what we're used to um, because I think it is very important that we spend time praying together as a group toward the end of service over this. And I think we're probably, uh, barring timing, because we were about 20 minutes late starting this morning, um, we will maybe have some more songs or we'll just end in prayer um, and communion and maybe one song. Um, uh, but my name is Thomas, for those of you who do not know me. Um, I'm one of the elders here at Gateway Downtown. Um, I am the elder who did infinitely less work to make this place a reality. Jeremy was the one who um, spearheaded everything, and we feel so blessed to be here today. This is one of the neatest feelings I've experienced in a long time. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm absolutely blown away. Uh, I didn't think... <laughs> I don't like this. I can hear comments. Actually, that's that. See, this is more like my high school classroom. So, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> it's actually very. Thanks, Brian. I feel way more at home now. Um, but I'm Thomas. Uh, my wife Sarah and I have been coming to Gateway for almost four years now. Uh, we're expecting our first child in December. Um, very excited. Uh, wow, that was almost good one. Um, Let's move forward. Uh, If you have Bibles with you or you have it on your phone, you can start turning to Acts chapter 2 because that's what we're going to be reading from. Um, But we've been here about four years and we're expecting to grow our family and we're so excited to be able to see um, this grow and to see us transition into this new chapter in our church. And so um, though Philip is normally speaking or Brian or someone is sharing this morning, I wanted uh, the opportunity to talk about church. And so uh, we're going to stand actually to read God's word this morning. So if you'd like to stand up with me right now, if you're able, Um, we stand for a couple reasons. Um, We stand because these are God's words. They're reverent. They are important. Um, And uh, we stand because it's a sign that God is moving in and through us. And so uh, we're in Acts 2. We're going to start in verse 42 this morning. Um, Scroll to the bottom. Uh, Acts 2, 42 to 47. It's a short passage, um, but it's a one of my favorite passages, uh, and it has been for quite some time. So uh, if you'll follow along as I read, Luke writes, uh, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, we thank you again so much for the opportunity to be here. I pray that you would bless our time this morning. God, start this chapter um, with energy, God, and a passion to pursue you. in uh, devotion, 
and uh, in the, the breaking of bread and in prayer um, and in fellowship uh, and in studying the words uh, that you've given us. Um, help us to learn more about you this morning. Uh, help us to spend some time bathing this room in prayer. God, as we um, expect you to do amazing things um, in all of our lives and uh, through this space as well. In your name, amen. You may be seated. Um, so I've always loved church, and it's something that um, I felt guilty about for a time. I thought that uh, I shouldn't love church, I should love Jesus, and the church is, you know, uh, a product of that. And, and I, I think I, I went through sort of some phases where I felt like I shouldn't, I shouldn't pursue church so much, I should pursue other things. And I, I learned really quickly uh, that that was not a bad thing. It was not bad that I pursued church and I pursued the idea of people growing closer to Christ as the bride of Christ and learning more about what that looks like and more about what it means for us to come together and worship our creator. Um, I grew up in a church that was unstructured and awesome and fun and beautiful, and we were able to worship freely, and I learned quite a bit about that. Uh, but when I turned 16, I started passionately pursuing church. I went to a, uh, one of those mega youth groups that we've all seen where there are like 100 kids, and everyone is, woo, yeah, Jesus, and it's awesome. And I started going to one of those, and it was a really cool experience. And that's when I really started asking questions about why do we do certain things that we do in church, and what does it look like? And I remember spending hours in the basement of my youth pastor's home with other believers in our youth group and talking through all these ideas and what why are we doing this and what does this look like and how can we better do this and how can we better serve our community and sometimes I thought man I should be studying scripture more not talking so much about church and then I realized that they go hand in hand and they're super important uh and we get scripture here today uh that points us that direction um after high school, quickly about me, went on to college uh, and used my pursuit of church to help grow uh, our Christian fellowship on campus. Um, I actually read a book about church when I was in college and dropped out of college and moved to Los Angeles because I so badly wanted to know about uh, what I could learn about church. And so it's always been something um, that I've really loved. Here in Acts, uh, again, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, uh, Luke writes about the beginning of this Christian church. Um, the Holy Spirit, earlier in the chapter, had just filled the believers, and Peter spent time sharing and speaking the good news. I think I wrote it down somewhere in my notes, so we'll get to that in a minute, how many words we have uh, in our English translation of this. Um, but shared the word, and... Uh, after that, in verse 41, right before the verses that we read together, uh, it tells us that 3,000 souls accepted Jesus' story through Peter's message and were baptized on that day. 3,000 souls. Uh, in these verses that we read today, we get a pretty simple picture of what it looks like to be a church and a body of believers. And I kind of want to talk about that today and what that looks like here for Gateway Church downtown as we start this new chapter um, in our lives. Uh, verse 42, again said, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And the first idea here is the word devoted, before we even get into what they're devoting themselves to. Uh, we get this idea of devoted. Devotion is very key for this. Devotion is not a one-time deal. It's not a one-time show up and then leave. Devotion is 
a pursuit, a continual pursuit of an idea. When I think of devotion right now, sorry, don't cry. Jeremy, his devotion to this space. He showed true devotion to helping us be in here on time. And it was absolutely beautiful to see. You can't take devotion lightly. To be devoted to something is important. It's a commitment to keep trying, a willingness to keep pursuing, even when we have failed over and over and over again. So they devoted themselves to four things we're going to read in the scripture, or we read in the scripture. One is to the apostles' teaching. Two was to fellowship. Three was the breaking of bread. And four was prayer. Again, apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, uh, and prayer. So the first thing the early church did was devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. In verse 43, Luke kind of sums it up. Awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. My study Bible tells me that the word awe can be replaced with the word fear. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I like that. When God moves, it's scary. Not because we're afraid of it, but because we are in awe of it. When we realize how little we are and how big God is, and where the control in this relationship lies, we feel fear and we feel awe. But it's not like the fear that we feel when we ride a roller coaster, or when some jerk doesn't use their turn signal on a highway, or something like that. Um, It's a different fear. It's more of a child looking up and seeing a stranger, and then spinning around looking for their parents, like running and doing that really strong grab onto the leg, and the kid holds on and buries their head in their parents' legs. It's more of that kind of fear, where it drives us toward our parents. How beautiful a fear it is that makes us run to our father. For Gateway Church downtown, um, the apostles' teaching extends beyond this stage. Yes, we come here every week and we learn about the Bible, and Philip's done a fantastic job, and I hope in the near future that we have a pastor uh, who can help uh, carry the burden of teaching and sharing and learning and studying. But teaching happens more than just here. It happens in growth groups. It happens in small group conversations. It happens in one-on-one conversation. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you have someone in, our, in your life with whom you are meeting on a regular basis to discuss things that you're learning about Jesus? I can be the first one to admit that that is not happening as often as I would like it to, as I need it to, as someone who is standing in front of you, committed to attempting to help lead this church. I need to be called out on that more and more. I need people in my life building into me. I need people in my life who are teaching me. And it's not like I'm alone. I have conversations all the time with believers. I meet with many of you on a regular basis, and we talk, and we have a good time. And it's great. And a lot of times we even talk about God. But how often do I open up the scripture and say, hey, I read this this morning. I read my Bible. I love reading my Bible. I learn things from my Bible. Why don't I feel compelled to teach them to the people around me? We don't need pastoral degrees to teach. I think we, we've learned that um, for a long time in this church, for years. We've had people standing in front of us without uh, MDivs and all these other fancy terms for people who are educated. We don't need that. We can teach. 
the devotion to the apostles' teaching is the first thing the early church did. Uh, that's what we saw. Uh, they were devoted. They were passionate about it. As we move forward as Gateway Church downtown in this space, we need to be ready and willing to be teachers, not just followers. When we read scripture, we need to be reading it with the intent to retell what we've read. And that will help us grow greatly. We will, it will help us as we do that. First, a devotion to the apostles' teaching. Second thing they did was devoting themselves to fellowship. Verses 44 and 45 summarize this idea. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. The first part of this fellowship that we see is the word together. We have this idea of togetherness, and that's good. People were spending time together, but that's not where it ends. That's good, but it's definitely not the whole story of fellowship. Luke goes on to say they had all things in common, and I love this idea. It does not mean, all things in common does not mean they're the fan of the same football team or that they agree that broccoli is better than celery, which it is. Uh, The commonality that's kind of described here in this scripture is referring much more to the belief in the calling of Jesus Christ than to vegetables. They had one thing in common, and it was Christ. And from that, everything became common. What they had was not their own. What they had was for the other believers. One thing in common. It led to an outpouring in the form of their worldly possessions. Again, without raising our hands, how many of us are willing to give up all we have for our brothers and sisters in this room? Do we think they deserve to have all we have earned? I put earned in quotes. You see, the early church understood that their material possessions were not their own. I had a conversation this morning about that, about how we have a very short, how I have a very short-term view. The early church understood that it was not their own, that they were blessings from their Father in heaven. And when we understand that, when we realize that what we have is not our own, what we have is not eternal, what we have is a possession that is going to disappear someday, and we realize that the only thing that we have that's eternal is in our heart, we see an, outflow, an outpouring of this abundance. Of all of these things that we have. Uh, I continue to actually have this image of Philip um, standing on stage. And I wrote down March 9th because I keep detailed, copious notes in my phone during sermons. So March 9th, if you want to go way back on our podcast and download that uh, of this year, you may. Uh, but he was holding his hand up in the air, palm to the sky. And in his hand were all of his possessions. Metaphorically, of course. Uh, and he was not necessarily giving them all away. But he was willing to give them all up. He was teaching the story of the rich young ruler. And he said, and I quote, we have to give up everything and nothing. Fellowship is about everything being common. It is not our own. It is God's. What he has blessed us with, we must also bless. For Gateway Church downtown, this might be a hard lesson going forward and moving away from our ritzy space on East 4th Street hiding in our tomb, as we've so affectionately started calling it, where there was no sun. Thank Jesus for sun right now. We spent a lot of time in a community of mostly wealthy people with very few earthly needs. 
But we're on a college campus now. College kids are poor. And we're next to a building next door that people come to who can't pay their bills, their utilities. And they show up and they walk in and they try to get assistance. The government, it would seem, is doing what we, the church, are called to do. Are we willing to live in true fellowship? Are we willing to hold up all of our earthly possessions in the palms of our hands and offer them to God and to our brothers and sisters who have not? These are questions we need to be asking as we move forward in this space and as a church. Number one, devotion to the apostles' teaching. Number two was a devotion to fellowship. Number three, a devotion to the breaking of bread. Uh, This is summarized in verses 46 and 47. said, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Now, if there is one thing I know, it is that Clevelanders are really good at breaking bread together. They're awesome at that. We love, love eating. Amen. Yeah, there you go. Come on. I actually wrote amen on my notes. Um, one of the best college courses I ever took was psychology. I really enjoyed this idea. And in that class, I learned about what's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. I actually wrote an essay on it a long time ago because I was so interested in it, even though I don't agree with everything in his hierarchy. I think he misses Jesus. Uh, but still has some valid points in it. So in order to display this, tri- uh, this, this hierarchy, he drew a triangle and filled it with horizontal lines so it looked like we had some trapezoids stacked on top of each other until you get to the triangle on top. So he opined uh, that we could not enjoy any of the fruit on the top if we didn't already have the baseline below it. So in order to be creative, you need confidence. In order to have confidence, you need friendship. In order to have friendship, you need job security. And in order to have job security, you need to be able to breathe. We need air. All right, so they're filled with lots of things. It's not just breathe. It's breathing and food and water and other things on the base before you slowly work your way up to the freedoms and the fun things that we get in this world. Again, I recommend looking at this. It's interesting. Without food, Maslow says we can have nothing from the section above. Food, according to him, is a buffer. Food is something that we use to get deeper. And as we continue to grow in our safety of food, we get to go deeper. Food is a buffer. Food helps us get to the next level. A devotion to breaking bread together helps us be more devoted to fellowship together. Because it's hard to ignore the needs of someone with whom you are breaking bread on a daily basis. Food is a buffer. And we must use it as a means to grow in our knowledge and love of God. For Gateway Church downtown, sense of theme, I add that phrase into every section. For Gateway Church downtown, down at town, we will break bread at the communion table in a little bit. And after church, many of us will find a place to eat. And it's going to be really easy to talk about how neat this space is or about who you're going to start in your fantasy league at 1 o'clock or how awesome it is to finally see the Browns crushing the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Am I right? Am I right? It'll be really easy to talk about these things. But I challenge us, myself more than anyone, if those talking points sounded familiar, that's why. 
I challenge us to talk about what Jesus is teaching us. Because the browns are temporary, and food is temporary, and this beautiful space is temporary. But our souls are eternal. Let's try to focus on eternity today. Food is a buffer. Uh, number one, devotion to the apostles' teaching. Number two, devotion to fellowship. Number three, devotion to breaking of bread. Last, but certainly not least, uh, number four is a devotion to prayer. Verse 47b uh, kind of indicates the value of this devotion, really the value of all four devotions that we got to. Luke writes, And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. In verse 41, you remember, we talked about 3,000 souls being baptized. And I thought it would be really fun to do some math because I'm an English teacher and I don't get to do math very often. Uh, and so I did a little bit of figuring out of things. And uh, from reading earlier in the passage, we find out that Peter started preaching at uh, 9 a.m. And he spoke, according to our translation, uh, 479 words. That's what he spoke. So we're going to say that's 10 minutes. And so when I calculated out how many minutes it was and how many people... Uh, we're being baptized 890 total minutes in the day that he had. 3,000 baptisms, we get three, more than three people being baptized each minute or less than 20 seconds per person. And again, lots of different things could have been factors here. This could have been like Cleveland, where our day extends on a nice Saturday night till 3 in the morning because we're having a good time. Right? If you're baptizing, they were probably having a really good time. So it could have looked like that. Or they could have had multiple people doing baptisms. And all this math is fun, and it was really fun for me, and it took me a really long time. But as I was doing this, I realized I was missing one thing. 3,000 people were baptized in one day. That is amazing. It really blew me away. I started doing math. I felt like an idiot. Why am I doing math? Three thousand people. Gateway Church downtown. Do we want to see three thousand people baptized today? This week, this month, this year, this lifetime? In my lifetime at this church, I've probably seen twenty people baptized. And it's awesome. And it is beautiful, and I am so grateful for what I've seen. And it's not about numbers. I'm not thinking, darn it, we're two thousand eight hundred and eighty away for matching that beautiful day. More math. We should be crying out to our creator and earnestly pleading for the souls of those who do not yet know him. We need to be praying daily, constantly, that God would draw people to himself. Not because we want numbers, but because we want souls. We want people to be with us, dancing, jumping up and down in heaven and worshiping our creator. We want an eternal view and not a temporary view. And when we pray, we need to remember that. Uh, in a year or so, we should get to Matthew 21. Is that about right? Uh, in verse 22, uh, Jesus said something really important. He said, Matthew 21, 22, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. We need to pray for what we wish to see happen in our city, in our church, in this space, and in our lives. Number one was a devotion to the apostles' teaching. Number two, a devotion to fellowship. Number three, a devotion to the breaking of the bread. Four, a devotion to prayer. 
Again, we need to pray for what we wish to see happen in our city, in our church, and in our lives. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for giving us this picture, this brief window into the history of our church, of our Christian faith. I thank you so much. Um, God, that we are able to continue pursuing you. God, I thank you um, for the devoted group of people who have continued to passionately pursue Gateway Church and pursue you through this. I pray that you would help us be devoted to these things. And God, that we could grow closer to you. God, that people would come, whether here or another church or anywhere, God, that people would find you. God, that people would find eternity with you. We love you. Amen.